even if you have no interest in Superman, this score is worth listening to because Hans Zimmer just kills it and it, it feels amazing. Can I take that further? Yes. If you have no interest in Superman, you should still watch this movie because it's one of the best superhero movies we've had. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our inaugural episode of this uh, movie review podcast. Unnamed. We are so unnamed at this moment. <laughs> You'll have clicked on it at this point and we'll have chosen a name, but as of right Hopefully. this second, <laughs> otherwise we're just unnamed movie review podcast. Maybe that's the name we'll go with. Three ding-dongs. Three ding-dongs <laughs> talking into a mic late at night. Um, we actually just came from a movie. Mm -hmm. We went and saw The Northman in theaters. And uh, I wanted to start off our podcast just talking about the Northmen. But before you give a, a take on the Northmen, I'd like you to introduce yourself and then give like a two to three sentence thing of things you liked and disliked about the Northmen. Okay. So let's start on my left mm -hmm. with Zach. Okay. I'm, I'm Zach, as you just said. And I liked the cinematography a lot. It was a beautifully shot movie. I liked the story. Uh, one thing that I always look for in a movie is what is the story? What is the movie trying to say about life or about morality? And mm. I thought the story was really good. Uh, we haven't discussed if we're going to do spoilers or not yet on this podcast. We probably should do that eventually. Uh, yes. But <laughs> I think we should do. Should we, can we just go for it? I'm not. Can we I'm just go for spoilers, guys? Do, do three comments and then we'll do like a spoiler section where people can fast forward. Good. Through it, and if we they can want okay. To. We'll put I'm like the times in there. Don't spoil, <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> You're just gonna, gonna lose happen. Us listeners before we even start having <laughs> I listeners. Can't regulate, self regulate that. Okay, well. okay, but anyway, uh, so my three thoughts beautifully shot movie. Um, Iceland is phenomenally gorgeous, it captured it the country really well. It was really awesome. Uh, I liked that it was a very accurate movie, like you could see the Vikings, and it didn't, um, th the parts of it that were like uh, suspension of disbelief, I thought were things that the Vikings really believed in. Mm. And the director kind of left it up to your idea of like, is this really happening? Is this what they believe? And I thought that was good. And then the story was really good. And I thought the moral of the story was well done. I thought it uh, shared some truth, which I always enjoy. And so I, I liked those three parts about it. Hot take on thing they could have done better. Um... I, I could have to take yours. More boats. <laughs> more boats. Um, I think they could have done a little bit more showing how brutal the Vikings were. The Vikings were pagan. More violence is what you're well, asking no, no, for. Well, no, 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 not more violence. I did not want to Sorry, watch too much more violence. Burning a bunch of children in a home wasn't brutal that enough was for you. That was awful. That was awful. Sorry, spoiler already. <laughs> but it, it starts with that. And then once they do that, they're kind of done showing how awful they were they're sometimes. They're like, here's the line, and they're we like, went right up to it, and now we're going to leave it <laughs> Yeah, and then they're like, okay, you saw it, but I'd kind of... I, I have a reason why that's actually an important scene. I'll say it later. No, it's a super important scene, and I think that one thing about the Vikings is that when they were pagans, and they were pagans at one point, they did a lot of awful, brutal, evil things, and... They did a good job at the beginning showing that, but then they didn't show any more of it, really. And I would have, in I don't know, I, I feel like it's tough sometimes because I don't want to get the view. And one thing I get annoyed at by movies is when they have a protagonist that does something awful and terrible, and they're just kind of like, but he's better now, it's okay. I'm like, he still did those really awful, horrible things. Yeah. This is why I hated and, that Pablo Escobar show because they turned him into this, like, saint that you... Oh, really? Like, like, he's see, like the protagonist, and it's like this person is awful yeah and, and so you're like watching it and you're like i'm watching him like i'm not being portrayed that this man is evil yeah and that's the one thing is i 
it's not that I wanted more brutality because I did not enjoy watching those scenes. Mm. But I do think if you want to make it accurate and if you want to show what they did as pagans and the evil, awful things they did, I think you have to have some of that and be like reminding that, hey, you know, these people had a different sense of belief, a different sense of morality. And because of it, they did things that are pretty objectively awful. All right. So we've heard Zach's um, opinion on the Northmen. Let's uh, the other uh, delicious voice in your ears with the mustachio wonder himself. Uh, Chase, why don't you introduce yourself and give us some takes on the Northmen? I'm Chase. Uh, I saw the Northmen twice now. This is this was your second time. Oh yeah, it was a it was an accidental cheat, not accident, but me and my wife went on a date and we were gonna see something else and it was just I didn't pre-plan and it was the only thing we could see in the time frame for babysitter. <laughs> so I was like, sorry guys, I'm gonna see. I'm actually really glad I saw it twice. Uh, I really liked it a lot more the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say what I didn't like first, Kay. especially the first time I saw it that I think bummed me out the rest of the movie and then I was over it. But the second time was him cutting his hair bothered me. Okay. Cause I like, I don't know. It was very Viking. He was like long hair right. and then he like chops it and then they cut it even shorter and he just looks kind of, he looks kind of dumb. progression through the movie, it just gets yeah. shorter and shorter and, then, and shorter. Yeah. Like as, as he's, you know, the, it has like three forms. His final form is like, his boyhood haircut. Yes. And it's just like, he starts out as when he's grown as this berserker, which is one of the things I loved is that they use the berserker title, which right. if anyone's watched the Vikings show, uh, the Ragnar's son Bjorn goes out into the forest for a while to like become a man. And these like rival Vikings sent a berserker for him. And he first kills a bear. And then after he kills the bear, this berserker like ambushes him and he like kills him and, an amazing fashion, but they don't really explain ber- like what a mm-hmm. berserker is. It's the only berserker named in that show. That's like seven seasons long. Mm. And so you're like, Oh cool. A berserker. I don't know what that is. And then they show you this pack of berserkers in this movie where they're like that. They're nuts. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, they're like nuts. They're yeah. They're the kind of these like more, they're like the shock troops. They're like animalistic. They're yeah. probably on some psychedelics while they're sitting there in the rain chanting and like yeah. Mark, like it's like this weird boys club. It's almost comical. I loved it. Like that scene again, watching that scene for the second time was, I love it. Mm-hmm. And then they go just raid that village and it's a pretty cool scene. But yeah. I love that. Yeah, I know I, I, I with you, that this is the third movie I've seen by Robert Eggers and all his movies are beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's really good at, at his, like all the camera work and sound too, like the soundtrack or whatever, like noise he's using, sound and music and the mix of them. But uh, yeah, they always look good. So, yeah. And my name's Jesse. I will be the host for this uh, unnamed, untitled movie review podcast. But um, some of my takes, I come from a more technical background. Um, so I am always looking for, oh, how did they shoot that? Things like that. And um, I just thought the use of lighting was really gorgeous mm-hmm. in this. Like the cinematography, obviously gorgeous. They have Iceland as their background. So, I mean, you throw a camera out in the middle of the field and get some pretty yeah. shots it's, it's there. It's a good place. <laughs> but they, they just use lighting so effectively to hide some things. There's a there's a um, uh, a nudity scene after a sex scene, basically. And I thought it was one of the most tasteful, like, fully nude scenes I've ever seen lit in a way that it's like it didn't really show anything, but at the same time, it, it kind of left it to your interpretation. It was just, like, gorgeous. It should have been, like, a painting. So I thought that was really intriguing um, the way they utilize light to hide things and show things in different mm-hmm. points. Um, I think there 
overall, the violence that they did show wasn't just for shock factor, which is what I really appreciated because yeah. for the most part, it's like, I'm not huge into just watching violence occur on screen mm-hmm. just for the sake of having violence on screen to like get things exciting. But it's every, every piece of violence they showed felt motivated for the most part. And even some of the really gory stuff they showed wasn't just there, I think, for shock value. It made sense. Zach and I were talking briefly before we started. Um, there's a whole thing where he kind of dismembers people and puts them up in a thing. And it's sort of, um, it makes sense motivationally for the character to do that. Not makes just, a horse mural. Yeah, he makes <laughs> a horse mural. He's doing his own art, right? <laughs> He's really just an artist. He's just an un... Yeah. He just is an artist that doesn't know how to uh, show his Express. art. And, yes. <laughs> Um, but I thought that made sense because they're at this point in the thing, they're under the impression that they're being haunted by like some Mm -hmm. spirits. So this kind of like crazy horse mural of dismembered body parts makes sense. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, we've said a lot of things (laughs) in the last probably seven minutes that probably sound absolutely insane, but, uh, about before we give, before we give a, a quick like see it don't see it kind of a, a review mm-hmm. um, we're gonna go into some spoilers I mean we've kind of lightly touched on spoilers but I want to give us a chance to talk about some of the end stuff so if you don't want to hear about spoilers um, in the show notes we'll put a point where we start talking about our next topic which is man of steel so mm-hmm. if you want if you don't want spoilers for the Northman go ahead and skip to that timestamp that's in the show notes so Let's dive into some spoiler territory. Zach, you said you had some thoughts on some of the stuff that was a little more spoilery at the end. Yeah. um, He dies, and it was awesome because he totally deserved it. Um, Mm -hmm. As Chase said, uh, he he doesn't directly do it, but he helps raid the village, and then they round up all the kids and put them in a shack and burn them alive, which is pretty awful. Yeah. Um, You know, they're taking people into slavery, they're, I'm assuming they're raping people because, you know, guys probably. who do that probably aren't very like, oh, no, consent. Consent's, consent's <laughs> a big deal for me. <laughs> I don't think consent was a big deal for the for Vikings. The, for the, yeah. Or for, you know, they didn't get consent AD. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, he was a participant in that. And it's, you know, it doesn't show him really doing that directly. He's only involved in the battle scenes, but he was still supporting that. Didn't mm. seem very remorseful. No, he didn't really seem like he's like, <laughs> oh no, what's what's that mean? He was like, oh no. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, I don't really care. It's kind of glazed over. Yeah. It's just he's. And yeah. then the decision he has to make, he has to make a decision, and it's it's a great part. It's a good scene, and he's kind of felt fallen in love with with uh, one of the other slaves that he's been uh, on the farm with, basically, and. The, they've they've been together and they're escaping together and then they get on a boat they're they're ready to leave Iceland they're ready to go and hide themselves and you know take care of everything and live their own lives and then you know he says there was a prophecy and you see this prophecy early in the movie that he could either be kind to his kin or hate his enemies and he had to choose one and he chose to hate his enemies he leaves her. Well, he says he chooses gonna, both. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> called denial. <laughs> that's that's uh, him being selfish that's, and not wanting to That's called lying to yourself. <laughs> the movie and definitely ends with him hating his enemies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I'm being kind. No, you're Grand not. Grand Viking fashion. Yeah, and he goes and he fights his naked. enemy. Naked, too. Yes, great part. No, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, but he goes, yeah, awesome. which is very interesting. Gotta love the Vikings. Uh, but yeah, he, so he goes, he chooses to hate his enemies. He goes back, he kills the rest of them, and then he dies fighting his, you know, his biggest enemy, the one he hates the most, the one who killed his father. He goes back, he kills all of that man's 
uh, all of his people and sets his slaves free, kills um, the, his, the murderer of his father's his uncle. He kills his uncle's wife, which is actually also his mom, and then also the son that his mom has, so his half-brother. Should have been standing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he kills it all of them. It was a little accidental. He, I think he felt bad about that one. I did think he felt bad about that one, yeah. but he still put himself in the position to do that. Oh, and yeah. he still killed them all, oh, yeah. and then he died fighting, which I thought was appropriate because, to me, it makes the story that if you're consumed by revenge, if you follow fate, you, it will lead you to your death, mm. or as opposed to he had the opportunity and even in the fates, you know, it said he would have the option and he did not choose the option to go and live and build a family. And I think that's the true option. That's the more manly option. So he kind of uh, wimped out, I would say. Chase, thoughts in the spoiler town? Yeah, well, I, I thought this movie did a really cool inversion thing on you because when it starts out, he's a boy. He sees his, you know, he's like the king's son. Mm. Uh, you think they're a happy family. You see, I, I love the scene where it's, I mean, it's goofy because it's like this weird pagan king prince ritual where they're like crawling around barking like dogs burping and farting with willem dafoe like yes. cackling at them it it but i can i mean i'll never be able to wrestle with my son again without thinking of that <laughs> but i liked it be, because of that too because it's it while they are doing some weird pagan ritual it's also a father and son being really silly mm. which is awesome and everyone should if you have kids you should be silly with your kids yes and uh so i i, I like that scene a lot but but then, you know, he sees his dad, he sees his dad get killed. His like village gets like half slaughtered at least. And then it cut, you know, he's, then he cuts to him being this adult berserker and he's like living the Viking life. Real, then he, they get all these slaves. They're going to ship them out and he realizes they're going to his uncle. So he decides to like sneak in as a slave. He brands himself, which is pretty badass. <laughs> cool. Sorry. Uh, I like how he talked to the brand too. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, but, um, <laughs> They do this inversion on you where you find out that, no, his, actually his mom helped plot the whole thing mm -hmm. when he confronts her. And all of a sudden, you know, and his uncle says something really interesting. He says, oh, you're just like your father. Evil begets evil. They, mm -hmm. He learns from his, or at least, at least hears from his mom and his uncle that his dad was not the dad that he thought, the person mm -hmm. he thought he was. There was, he was, he was so young. <clears throat> There's a lot that he didn't see. And it's really interesting. That's why I think that, that scene with the burning the kids when he's like, all of a sudden you look back at the earlier in the movie and you're like, I mean, he is evil. Like yeah. now you're like pose this kind of dilemma. Where you're like, well, is he the good guy or is yeah. he not? You right? know, what was really cool about that scene with uh, his mom and his uncle and how his mom helped plot it is that's kind of a trope now, you know? Like I kind of went in and I was like, that that mom was definitely an audit. She was definitely part of well, it. And, and she talks <laughs> about, I mean, there's a whole thing where he's like, oh, I thought I needed to save you. You were screaming. And even when that scene was playing the first time through, it shows her screaming as he carried. And I'm like, she sounds like she's laughing. Yeah. And then later, she's she like, I was, admits, she was so was happy. Laughing. She was so excited. <laughs> so but second that's time the start watching of that it. trope. That's the start of that trope, yeah. though, because we look at it, we're like, oh, it's so unoriginal. That's this movie is the inspiration for Hamlet, and it's kind of the start of that trope. This story is so that was also cool to see with the inversion. That that was one of the things I was um, listening for the second time when she's getting carried away because, mm -hmm. it, and she does barely you can hear her kind of like cackle, like laugh. She's kind of they kind of play it. They soften it. They, they soften yeah. it, and it's she is kind of sounds like she's screaming. It's kind of. I was really listening for it the second time, so it's a little ambiguous. And then you do hear her kind of laugh a little bit. Right. But if you don't know, you won't catch it. So. Yeah. Um, I think, one, Nicole Kidman, great, crazy mom. 
character. <laughs> we she, haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, Nicole. Hulk I like great I, crazy I didn't, character. In honestly, <laughs> didn't even like know she was in this movie because I didn't watch any trailers for this. Mm-hmm. The only thing I knew was that Anya Taylor Joy was in it because uh, YouTube had like some interview where they were talking to her about how cold it was up there when they were filming. <laughs> And that was the only thing I knew. Is like that when she he's was swimming in, in the ocean. Oh, yeah, gosh. Like they that actually so went cool. and swam in the ocean. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's like Nicole Kidman plays crazy mom who has some weird incest thing going on. Very odd. Um, incest? What do you mean? When she's making out with her son. Oh, that part. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I selectively forgot that part because that was, it was super a weird. I don't think there was moment. a track record of it, but it was definitely a moment of but it. But that well, was just... Was I mean, that she went she from could... a dad to an uncle. I mean, she's got kind of a thing but, for... But isn't, didn't she try to kill him right after that or something? Yeah. I got a little right confused. I couldn't later. tell okay. if she was trying to like murder him or he was just trying to pull away because there was like a physical altercation right there after There was the something. Like... I couldn't tell if it was like she was trying to stab him. Or if he was like, get away from me. I felt like she was just messing with him. Because right after that, she he seemed, pulls away and she's like totally cackling I, yeah, at him. I think she was just trying to like, I don't think she was like incestuous. I think she was just trying to use it to like. Do whatever. Do, I, I don't know what sure play it was, but I feel like it was a more strategic thing than. Because she also talked about she felt like, you know, Omleth, that's the main character. She said his father did not love her, but his uncle, who she was now with, did. Right. So I do think she actually loved him, you know, and that was how she saw it. But, you know, still killing your own child is probably not a good yeah. plan to put forward. Yeah, she's uh, definitely not a good guy. No, she's not a good guy. The but uncle's not a good not guy. There's not really any good people in this There's not. Can we That's talk, though? pretty Viking. Yeah. There was one character I was a little confused by. And Jesse and I talked a little about this, so I want to talk about it with Chase, too. What about the character played by Anya Taylor-Joy? Her name was Olga. What was... Uh, the like, easiest name to pronounce in this yes, movie, by the I way. was confused by her. Because I get that she wanted to escape, but she seemed to like latch on to him pretty quick. Is it just because he was big and ripped? Is that like he what? is very jacked? In this <laughs> He's movie. Very jacked. It needs to be known that he is. <laughs> he very was ripped massive. Out of his do you mind. guys do you guys watch Vikings the show? No, no. I've watched it all like almost twice now. I've been okay. watching it. He's the most well-known Viking lore master. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, our resident Viking. I historian. can't make a claim about how accurate that show is mm-hmm. per se. Isn't it on the History Channel? Yes. There you go. <laughs> Everything you see on the History Channel <laughs> yeah. is completely accurate. Aliens. What I was going to say is they, their culture was definitely different. And at least in that show also, I mean, relationships are not fluid, almost fluid if they want it to be. And it's like. The women some, are more willing the, to just and, latch and, on and, real quick. And, well, yeah. And a lot of it is on the women okay. to like choose. Like some, they just like will leave a guy for another guy. Well, like, back and then there's always you want to be with whoever the strongest and the culture is safety, he was right? the strongest yeah, and the culture is just full of violence okay. in general so like yeah he had just helped slaughter her village yeah that was that part was a little and, weird and, she, and horrible things but now she's a slave but he, he she's also like this kind of witch character yeah. and which is funny because she was in his first movie the witch she's oh, like really? the main character oh, okay. yeah uh but anyway she's like kind of like this witch so they got weird stuff that I can't explain going okay. on in their heads. Like she's seen symbols or signs in that's, him or okay. something. You know, that's what I kind of took from it. Well, and what I liked about this is, I mean, they didn't get so like abstract that you lost track of what was happening in the plot. Like uh, Zach and I went and saw Green Knight 
whenever that was out in theaters forever ago. And like about the middle, we both leaned over each other and we're like, do you know what's going on? And I'm like, no, no idea. And we were both like taxing everything. We were like, okay, thinking about fantasy stuff and thinking about like all the artistic. And I was like, I have no idea. We just had, at least it was a beautiful movie. Yeah. And again, beautiful movie. But this one, even when things got a little weird, because there's some stuff that is a little abstract that you can kind of try to interpret there's a whole scene where he fights a zombie, but then maybe he didn't fight the zombie. It's unsure. Um, but he, it doesn't like hurt the movie. Like you yeah. don't go, okay, I need to know what happened there. It was just like, okay, I'm not sure what happened there, well, but it doesn't distract me from the rest of the plot. Like I still have a handle mm-hmm. on where yeah. we're going. And the one last thing I would want to talk about the movie, if there's other things we can talk about those too, but the one last thing I would want to talk about the movie is that supernatural element because we don't have we don't have a lot of experience in our culture with paganism. Right. Um, paganism is something that it kind of really started to die a slow death when Jesus came around. It was really interesting. Before, as, as they say in the movie, uh, what is it? The, the guy. Oh that- gosh, that was hilarious. They were talking about. So after they think an evil spirits come, they're like, "Is it the Christian swine?" Like they, they're like, "Their god is a corpse nailed to a tree," and they were talking about it with such fear, and I was like. Yeah, my God's cool. This is as they're <laughs> staring at the corpses of two bodies that he nailed up on the side of the building in the shape yeah. of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it was kind of cool to see like them, but they might have thought like Christians were originally thought to be cannibals because of the you know communion, right? You know, drink his blood, eat his flesh. Yeah. But I did want to talk about the supernatural and the paganism in the movie because I thought not only did they do a good job showing that they believed in the paganism and they talk about Odin a little bit, which is not the Odin from Marvel quite no, <laughs> a little bit different. No Anthony Hopkins. A L- little movie. bit more if violent you're looking for Anthony Hopkins. You're yeah. going to miss out a little bit more violent, uh, Odin than, uh, than Marvel's Odin, but, yes. uh, but little fat Thor. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Don't get me started. But, uh, but anyway, what did you think about the displays of paganism? Because they did kind of do the thing where it's like, did he really fight the zombie? Did he not? Is it really like, is he just kind of crazy? Does he believe these things that are really, really odd? And so he thinks this way, or is this really happening? What was your guys' interpretation or thoughts on the paganism that they had in the movie? I mean, I thought most of the time when we saw it the most, it was usually under the influence of psychedelics. That's true. So, but it did feel like, I thought they portrayed it well where it was like when the stuff was happening, it felt like they were never freaked out by it. So it felt like part of their, Mm -hmm. their culture or like it was an expected, their beliefs. Yeah. They never came in out of these psychedelic trips going, Oh my gosh, what just happened to me? They were like, Oh, Odin talked to me or (laughs) whatever. Okay. Odin. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, it's an interesting way of just viewing it. Like, I mean, there's a lot of blood and like sacrificing and Mm -hmm. things of that nature where, you know, we look at it today and we're like, why would you be sacrificing people as a thing? But it's, that was a viewpoint that they had. That's what they did. Yeah. They were not materialists. Correct. They lived very much in a spiritual world. And it's actually something we could probably take a cue from. Yeah. yeah. Maybe our, not the sacrificing our, the people no. thing, but no, 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 no. <laughs> we should no. not sacrifice women they to live, get the evil spirits to go away. I will say that in their, <laughs> in their theology, their pagan theology. I mean, yeah. they, they lived in a, in a very spiritual world, they saw their gods and everything. Right. It was, they were very in tune with it. All the mm. animals, things, you know, in nature. I mean, that's, that's how they lived and Christians should live the same way. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I, I kind of want to take our, a last thing before we move on from the Northmen. Cause I do want to get to our, uh, primary talk it topic, mm-hmm. but the Northmen was fun to talk about. So we wanted to talk about it. Uh, so let's do a rating system of, 
go see it in theaters, watch it streaming, or you don't need to see it at all. Does that make sense? So yeah. you got three options. What is your rating recommendation for people that are maybe interested in the Northmen? Go see it in theaters, watch it at home when it comes out, or... Uh, I would recommend go, going and seeing it uh, based based a little bit on your movie preferences. Um, it's a beautifully shot movie. The lighting is excellent. So if you're at home, you're not going to capture the, the noise and the sound. You're not going to capture quite the the impressiveness of the of the camera work or the lighting. You're not going to be able to appreciate that. So if only for, it's kind of like Dune, you know, you could totally stream it. You'd get the story. You'd get the basic parts. But it was really good to see it in a theater. And I almost... Like, I haven't streamed Dune as much as I loved that movie because I feel like I just couldn't capture it the same mm. way it was in the theater. Um, and so I'd, I'd say it goes, if it's your kind of thing, if it's something you're interested in, if you don't like gore at all, just no, like period, don't see it. The, the gore is, u- is used for the story in a really good way, so I was okay with it. But if you just can't handle it at all, don't go see it. Um, it's a serious movie, so if you're really into Marvel fun It's not a rom-com. Stuff, yeah, it's not a rom-com. So if you're really into like the Marvel up and be fun stuff and you don't like anything but that, you're not going to like it. But if you appreciate serious movies, if you appreciate movies as art a little bit, then definitely go see it because it's it's gorgeous. It is, it, I mean, even just to see it and see the beauty and see, you know, how those people would have looked like, how they would have lived in some ways, really mm. well done, really well done for that. Chase thoughts as the person who's seen it the most times in theaters. <laughs> I I don't really have anything to add. What Zach said that's basically what I was going to say. Like okay. for the visuals and the sound, you should definitely if it interests you. Go see it in a theater. Same thing so with the, the gore. The, the gore is used intentionally. It's it's definitely not an action movie. Yeah, there is action in it, but it's not the primary purpose of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a serious, like more dramatic movie mm-hmm. with some action. That's cool, but it's uh, if you're looking for like a, a kind of crazy action like a it's not troy or 300 <laughs> nothing you know, is it's, troy <laughs> yeah, well i just mean you know it's not giant viking battles yeah. And so, yeah. it's it's everything's intentional in it mm. so when it uses violence and stuff it's, in, it's for a reason yeah but so if it's something it's that good. would interest you it sounds like we're in agreement that if you're going to see it and you're interested in the movie go see it in theaters that's yeah. the preferred viewing experience um doesn't mean you can't watch it streaming when it comes out later but it, it, you'll probably enjoy it more if that's that your kind of movie by seeing it in mm-hmm. theaters. So I want to move on to our other topic um, mm-hmm. in the, uh, what I think I'm going to call this is daddy issues, oh, a review of Northmen and man. of Steel. Yes. <laughs> yes, so, please. Um, that's the title I just came up with right now, but uh, we want to, this was kind of going to be our primary chunk on this. And we are reviewing 2013 Zack Snyder's man of steel, which is obviously about Superman. Mm-hmm. And, um, at this point, I think, I mean, it's been out almost 10 years. I don't feel like spoilers are If you haven't seen it point. yet, that's on you. <laughs> yes, that really, really is on you. Um, but what I kind of want to do is just talk through some of the things we love the most about this. Um, we don't really have, like, segments or anything, but I want it to be a little bit fluid. The f- thing I want to start with the most and the thing that I actually think is one of my favorite things about this movie is the musical score by Hans Zimmer, the musical score by Hans Zimmer. Like I used to have this soundtrack when this movie came out on repeat, just in the background, because it is like, so, 
so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans Zimmer just like knocked it out of the park. And I mean, Hans Zimmer's Hans Zimmer. Everything he does he is basically it's, it's magic. Good. It's but good. it's like just even rewatching it this morning, the whole time, it's like every time that main theme comes in mm-hmm. or the, the scene where he's taking his first flight, like you just like feel the tension mm-hmm. like Hans Zimmer. Well, the shots in the movie compliment the music. Yes. Too. And I mean, the, and, and the shots exist. And then Hans looks at him and goes, okay, here, I'm going to write some music for it. But the fact that he's like, just can capture everything. And there's this like this chord progression of like, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And this thing, it's like so subtle. It's not the old school Superman theme where it's like, yeah. you know, really high and mm-hmm. like, um, uh, just like, so like, so, Happy go lucky. so is the musical score better than Superman Returns from 2005? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would say yes. And we are going to talk about all of the old Supermans at some point during this discussion. I have that in my notes of things okay, I want to talk good. about. Um, but I do just want to like shout out right at the top. I think even if you have no interest in Superman, this score is worth listening to because Hans Zimmer just kills it and it it feels amazing. Can I take that further? Yes. If you have no interest in Superman, you should still watch this movie because it's one of the best superhero movies we've had. When it first came out... It's my it, favorite. I, I loved it. And when I rewatched it, I forgot how good it was. Uh, I watched, you know, I first watched it in theaters a long time ago. And I don't know if I'm off on this. I remember it being something that was a little controversial. And there was a good segment of people who didn't well, like it. Because of the how gritty it was. This is so this is post, and this is also in my notes of things I want to talk about, but this is probably a good transition into it. Sorry to cut you off. That's is fine. Go, this go is DC Comics like fourth installment of we're doing the gritty thing. Mm-hmm. Marvel's going like, hey, witty, banter, Joss Whedon, yeah. all this stuff. Lots of color. Yeah. And DC's like, okay, well, if they're doing that, we should not do that. So we're going to do the gritty reboot. So we had Batman Begins. We had mm-hmm. uh, Dark Knight. And then this comes in, I think, I would have to double check, but I think this comes in before Dark Knight Rises. So it's, it's like probably kind, around of, the same time. kind of in the middle yeah. of that thing yeah. where they're just like, okay, everything's going to be good. And so this is something that we're probably going to touch on multiple times in this, but I think the biggest controversial was that Superman kills Zod at the end of this, Which right? Which is perfect. Like, I mean... Which makes sense in our heads, yeah. but it's always been Superman mm-hmm. and Batman don't kill people. Like, that's a, a principle, which is why those people are yeah. constantly... Re- and that comes from the comic books, which actually comes from... Did you know Batman used to kill people in the comic books? Like, when he first started, I think yeah. I've heard that before. Yes. So, the original Detective Comics, Batman used to kill people. Mm-hmm. And then there was this this concerned parents of America that formed the comic authority board. It was mothers. It was mothers. It was not fathers. mothers. And they said, uh, comics are causing our children to be violent and do all these things. So they went and they had to, your comics had to go through an approval process. And so they had to take, that's when Batman and stopped killing people. And he started turning into all these zany, like, Oh, Joker's got a giant yeah. pumpkin bomb. No, yeah. da, 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 right. The day definitely got silly for a little bit. Adam West, everyone. Yes. Right? Oh, well, no, exactly. Adam West is based on those comics. Yeah. And so all we've really ever seen is Superman always being able to figure out a way to not kill someone. And we mm-hmm. see that in a lot of our superhero movies, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's some violence in Marvel that you're like, that guy's definitely dead. But <laughs> For the most part, <laughs> yeah. we we see these superheroes always figure out a way to not kill. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest issue that a lot of people had with this with not my Superman yeah. was, well, Superman wouldn't have killed him. He could have figured something out. He could have flown up in the air. He could have done anything else. Why did he kill this guy? And so I think that was the issue. And I personally, again, like you, and I'm assuming, Chase, you probably agree if it's your favorite one of your favorite movies, 
it was a good choice and I loved the choice as a director for him to do that. Mm. But I could see if you're like, well, that isn't who Superman is then. But you know, what's funny about that? I was, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought the way they did Superman and he had to kill Zod at the end. I thought that was a really, it made a lot of sense. I thought it worked. I thought it was a really good thing. And I thought it was the right decision for him. But Zack Snyder did the same thing with Batman and I hated it. I just could not like in Batman versus Superman. Oh, yeah, Batman yeah. is just shooting guns at all these people. And that, for some odd reason, like, I don't know, it that just felt different. More. I did not like that they had Batman just shooting machine guns and shooting rockets at people, but Superman, you know, can snap Zod's neck. And, and so I don't know, like, and it, maybe it was because I don't, you know, they definitely didn't de- develop Batman nearly as much. Uh, but Well, in, the, in those guys he's shooting him at, you don't, at no point are they like, I am going to make it my life purpose to make people suffer to punish you because you yeah. killed he's Chris. Not, he's like, not about to kill a family with laser vision. Well, like, and Zod's basically promised, you know, you hear him before that big battle breaks out, go, either you die or I die. Like, yeah. he's like, I'm never stopping. So mm-hmm. He you, literally says that. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. He says that. So it's like. One of us will die. That sets up the, the, the thing of, like, he doesn't have a choice. Like, this is just one of the many other families he's going to endanger if he continues doing this because yeah. he's on this rampage chase initial thoughts before I go into some of the segments I want to kind of cover on um, man of steel. Yeah. I really love this movie. This one was my suggestion and mostly cause I, I, my claim is that this is better than any of the Marvel superhero movies. I watch all of them and, so usually- in the comments you will have to decide whether you agree <laughs> or not with chase on this. Oh, He'll battle Everyone you. will heavily disagree. It's okay. I don't know if I'll quite agree. I do think there are some really, like, I think some of the Captain America ones were really good. I thought Civil War was good and had some stuff. They're okay. But yeah. I. <laughs> Chase passively says that that's I don't hate. Passive. I don't hate all of them. I, I do agree. Some of them were, were a lot better than others. But this is your I just, favorite. I super. just think this one as a whole, like, I, I like, I enjoy this mm-hmm. a lot more. The, the, this, the style of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and it was really complex. especially the story with his like two fathers. Mm-hmm. I think that's really powerful in this movie. And I do want to get into daddy issues. Yeah. But uh, uh, one, one thing I'll say that when you started, uh, you're when you're talking about the music and um, how we were ta- we were talking about that how it shot when this came out. I was living down in SoCal and I was at my cousin's house in in LA. And this movie had uh, the one of the best trailers because it was just like shots of him like flying through the clouds it was, mm. and they had that the score and uh my cousin's a really good musician he went to berkeley uh in boston the college music college of music and uh i remember we we took the tr- we were watching the trailer and we were really excited about it and we we uh we he cut his own like score to it mm. we were sitting i wasn't really doing anything but he was like writing and he we actually wrote really cool music to the trailer that wasn't far off from like what hans zimmer was doing it was like really kind of like soft like keypad type stuff right. mm-hmm. uh, I, and now i'm wondering if he actually saved that because it'd be cool to listen to it again but um yeah the awesome awesome like cinematography i think yes for me compared to like the marvel movies i like the grittier shots it's like a little more realistic i mean they're still absolutely like destroying the city like they do in the marvel movies gosh that uh, was one of my notes it's was kind of a pet peeve of mine and near the end like, it's literally metropolis is destroyed oh yeah <laughs> they, dot, dot, dot. i Wait. do think it worked better in this one though because yeah. Marvel movies, he's like, they're like, hmm, a city, it needs to be broken. But in yeah. this one, like, I felt like it made a lot of sense. And we'll talk about this later. I felt like it was part of the character development for Superman. Well, also yeah. in the Marvel ones, 
I don't want to tangent on this too much, but I feel like uh, they destroy the same city at least twice, <laughs> like where Stark Tower is, because yeah, I, at New least York always New York, always and it's exploded. like rebuilt pretty quickly. Yeah. Insurance rates there yeah. are incredibly. <laughs> high. I don't know. I don't know what construction workers they got working in this Marvel version of New York, yeah. but I've never seen construction go up that fast. <laughs> no, I. I'll let you take it away. I don't have any more like I won't give any more general thoughts because okay. I'll probably just butt in when I have a point to make okay so uh i want to talk casting on this because it's been so long since i watched this and i forgot what a star-studded cast this literally oh has gosh. so Don't russell russell crowe yeah his two dads it, yeah russell crowe and then kevin costner so kevin good. costner are his two dads and i'm like what more would you want out of your life <laughs> these two dads, right? you can't have daddy issues superman you have the two best dads so russell crowe channeling some serious gladiator yeah, um, gladiator and john dutton as your dad yeah. oh my gosh so, so good. then um and then we have uh the mom who plays martha Diana Lane. Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Okay. She's just phenomenal. Like yeah, she's great. You're just like, you honestly believe every moment that she is his mother. And like, just mm -hmm. even like little things, like when he's talking about how Lois is like a friend and that she's kind of like maybe wanting to expose him. And like, mm -hmm. she's like, Oh, that's nice. And like, he's talking about maybe leaving. And she's like, you can see the pain in her eyes of like, I don't want you to leave. You just got back. Like mm -hmm. she just knocks out of the park. Lois, I think does a great job. She's kind of got that scrappy attitude. And then obviously Morpheus as Perry White. Yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. Lawrence he, Fishburne. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. And then, I mean, there's so many of these other and smaller actors. Gotta even. say, Michael Shannon is Zod. I thought he did a great job. Michael Shannon. And then I think Michael Shannon's he's awesome. And he's he's the one who played Zod. Oh, yeah, that guy's great. I thought he, I mean, I've he, seen him a couple things, and he does a great job he, acting, and I thought he knocked this one out of the park. He plays the guy that's uh, dating Eminem's uh, mom in 8 Mile. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I always think of. But I uh I like how they gave him the kind of like Greek hairstyle mm -hmm. that we yeah. like. <laughs> uh, it's called the Caesar. I the used Caesar, to yeah. I used to yeah. rock that. I thought that was actually a cool detail for the movie because it's like he's kinda like this the war guy, right? Yeah, he's kinda like he's almost like a god of war kind Which of he's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean that's what he was in mythology. To be. So they gave him this kind of like mythological look to him, his very brutal looking mm -hmm. get up and everything. Yeah. And then Christopher Maloney, who's I only ever really know him from Law and Order SVU, but he plays the the captain who's basically with Lois the whole time. So like they have that dichotomy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that the bald guy. No, yeah. this guy. Yeah, the bald. He was yeah, bald. I think. Well, I think I mean, he was bald. Or he's usually he has like a buzzed head. Yeah, yeah. he's buzzed. I liked him. Um, I thought he was good too. He, he plays it well. Like I mean, he plays a lot of characters like that where he's like kind of a supporting role. There's a yeah. name for that, but yeah, and the that guy. He, he's <laughs> the that guy. The, the guy, <laughs> guy. He's great. And then obviously. Henry Cavill, just like oh my gosh. so good. Like, and it's the, it's no wonder that Zack Snyder's kept him through his whole cinematic universe that he created up can, until justice. League. can we reboot, reboot DC, but keep Henry Cavill and oh, Gal Gadot? Yeah. Cause they both do yeah. great. And, and I mean, it's just Henry Cavill, just so much in this is just like, he's, he's first of all, the, the man best. is like really six, five and just a he's hunk mass. Yeah. He's got the in hair. He's jacked out he of a his great mind. choice. And who would have thought watching the old count of Monte Cristo movie that I hope that we do sometime <laughs> that that would be Superman. I mean, he's much younger. Well, and this is before he, uh, in, in and that's the last thing I knew him from. This is the when, before his Mission Impossible days where he reloads his arm, yeah. which I think is still the most <laughs> epic move you can do is reload your biceps. <laughs> that was cool. But I'll tell you what, that movie helped to ruin the first installment of uh, 
Justice League because yeah. of that movie and his, yeah. mustache, his mustache. They had this fiasco. stupid CGI face, and it was just that wasn't that it ruined wasn't, that movie. That wasn't Henry Cavill's fault, but no, it wasn't. He's it just, just he's just slaying this whole movie, like everything. And, he's a great Superman. and the kid actors that they got mm-hmm. to be him like are believable. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Like I I know you can't always get kid actors to look like mm-hmm. the people, but it's like his like teenage. Him, yeah. the one that like saves the bus, yeah, looks like baby he, Henry. Cavill. He does. He looks. It's, it's never. Weird. It's never unbelievable. It's the yeah. whole time. It just makes sense. Um. If, okay. Yeah. So casting wise, just like this thing is action packed, and like every time you you like literally just get to a next scene, you're like, oh, I know that guy because he's also in this other thing. Like, mm-hmm. just so many great people. So Zack Snyder or whoever his casting department was, just like killing it all the way across. Um. I do, I want to kind of talk through some of the big moments in the movie and these will maybe bring in some segments mm-hmm. um, and then we'll kind of talk about thematics as we're going. But the whole segment at the beginning where they're on Krypton. Oh my, I want, I was hoping you started with that because I have a lot Well, it's thoughts. at the beginning, so I figured that <laughs> yeah. would probably be the best yeah. place to start. Mm-hmm. But there's, I mean, I'm always going to notice the VFX. And so as a whole, this movie CGI holds up pretty decent, mm-hmm. even in today's yeah. day and age. So this movie's almost 10 years old. CGI was not where it is now. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they were doing some of the stuff, and I'm going to talk about this later when we get into some of the action scenes later. They're doing stuff that is like pioneering mm-hmm. what we now do as like standard practice now. Mm-hmm. And it still looks good, but I the the shots where, where um, Russell Crowe is coming out into Krypton are just gorgeous. Like they yeah. created this whole landscape. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's blowing up most of the time you see it because mm-hmm. it's either at war or dying, but the whole time it's just like, so, so gorgeous. And you want to know more about it. Like that's the best thing you can do in visual stereotyping. It's like, yeah. there's a whole story just there, but it's all on fire right now. But did I wish you know, I knew more. Did you notice something though about the landscape? And this is one thing I really want to talk about that I thought, I think, I think Zack Snyder, I think one of the reasons this movie is so good is because he tried to layer in a lot of things. And I don't mm. want to just say them all up front. We'll, you know, we'll work through them a little bit. But what did you notice about Krypton, the landscape that you just talked about? It's completely desolate. It's all dead. The, the only life we see besides the humans is the one animal that he flies to the codex and back from. Yeah, and that dies and, and he just like leaves on the landing pad. Like he yeah. hops off after it slides yeah, on the yeah. floor. Yeah, and it is just like... It is a dead planet. And that's not always like canon. You know, I've seen Supermans where Krypton was a planet or it was thriving or it was good. And then it randomly gets like, this is a dead society. And I Mm. think that's a really important part of the development and of the movie. I think that's a very purposeful choice. And I really appreciated it to see contrast the deadness of Krypton with when we get to earth later, the greenness and the lush. It's in Kansas. It's green. Well, and you see again, corn, corn, so Winter wheat in Kansas. Thank you, Chase. Okay. Um, they uh, they even kind of parallel this this ideology, even when he makes the choice whether he's going to let the, the the terraforming machine mm-hmm. go or not. He's like, Krypton had his chance, and it's like you see what yeah. they did with their chance. It's they completely ruined their planet. He's like, why would I give them? Mm-hmm. another shot right it's like that well they, they destroyed it and then yeah. the other thing you know him being the first natural birth in centuries you know that's yeah sad. the pod babies thing that i want was, to talk about pod babies okay. how do we feel about pod babies 
I thought, I thought, I loved what they did with Krypton in this because in so many Kryptons that I've noticed or seen, it's like, oh, Krypton was this thriving thing and it just randomly blew up. And it's like, okay, so there's this random, there's this awesome technological civilization that just randomly blows up. But this one was like, you know, he was saying, look, Krypton was dying. They were killing themselves. They were, you know, they were, they were, they blow up the planet because they're sucking off the core. They're slowly destroying it and they killed themselves. And what I liked about it too is that, you know, it's, they looked inward. They, they stopped exploring. They stopped risking yeah, things. Yeah, they have all these like colonialist vibes of like, they're out like sending people all over the place. And then they just suddenly were like, no, we need to focus on Yeah, and then they, they come back and they stop natural birth and they, they don't take any risk. Everyone is genetically engineered to be what they are and they have their life path laid out before it even happens. And I think there's an important, you know, discussion that Zack Snyder's trying to put forth of this layer of, you know, this dead um, corporate or bureaucratic or whatever you want to call it. There's this dead planet of no risk and everything's planned versus Earth, which is, you know, life is teeming and it's random and there's chaos, but it's good and it builds beautiful things. Yeah. Um, I also want to throw out, uh, Kal-El's dad dies. This Russell Crowe dies the same way he dies in Gladiator with a stab wound in the side. I just wanted to throw that out there that I thought I was watching. And I'm like, Hey, that's the exact same injury he gets from, uh, uh, in Gladiator. So I did think that was slightly hilarious. I don't think that was intentional, but, but it, was it was awesome. Um, the, did, did Chase have any thoughts on yeah, the uh, well, on the opening scene? Opening no, parts? one thing I forgot to say in the beginning is I'm the uh, local idiot. So sometimes <laughs> I just watch things without a lot of thought. When I have thoughts, I have them. When I watch this movie, even still, when I watch the beginning, it's just kind of the beginning of the movie to me. Okay, it's the Fair setup. Enough. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like, I like. You learn who his father is and mm. how the context of that, which is great. His parents, how you know how they send him away, mm. but. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff out that you guys did. I, I mean, yeah. okay. I'm I'm glad to learn it okay. and see where you're tying it in for. later. So I did like how this his parents are awesome. His parents yeah. are super super cool. Well, and I liked. I, I mean, we didn't really mention her, but his mom, like his birth mom, mm-hmm. is that she Renee does Russo. A great, yes, another. Who was that? Renee Russo. Oh, that I, I sounds think. familiar. Yeah. She does a great job of not wanting to let him go. Like mm-hmm. that whole scene is believable. Like mm-hmm. she, you can feel mm-hmm. she's a lot of tension. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, and she's like, understandably. I know, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you get it. And it's like, you understand that that's what someone would actually be feeling. It's like Zack Snyder could have very easily just glossed over it and been like, shove the baby in the pod, yeah. hit the button. Go, and go, go. But she wanted cool moments explosion. with him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love that. And speaking of the pod, just in general, I love the vibe of the alien tech, like the Kryptonian tech. The oh, key, it's the so keys, good. It's the so keys, good. The, the spaceships, the, the floaty what you get, Yeah, whatever you get to see yeah. of Krypton. I think they did a great job of this, like, tech that feels... It's half analog because it's got, like, all the metal floating particles mm-hmm. that kind of form into things. Yeah, yeah. like the... It reminds me of, you know, the, the needle things you push your hand yeah. into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly yeah. That. <laughs> I don't know that they have those anymore, but I, everyone else who's our age and older would know what we're talking about. They had about. a big one at a museum we used to go to. You could, like, walk your whole body into it. Oh it was gosh, like a wall. Oh, yes. And so you can go, go on both sides, so people yeah. would be pushing it. Anyway, I, uh, I just think what I love... What I hate is when alien tech doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like you look at alien tech in movies and you're like, that has no, like, that doesn't look like something mm-hmm. that an advanced civilization would actually use. Like it has no, it, it looks cool, but it's completely unpractical. Yeah. This one, I feel like a lot of the stuff they were doing like, oh yes, that makes sense mm-hmm. that you, it's that efficient. it would, yeah, yeah, it would look yeah. like that. 
And I, it has a unique look. It doesn't just look like, I mean, they could have easily gone and tried to do like an Avengers knockoff version or whatever. And, and Zach's CGI guys were like, no, this is kind of the vibe. His art team made something that felt It's a little unique. brutalist too. Yeah. It's a little brutal. And I think that does really well. And it makes sense for the society and culture that they have. I'm having such a hard time not referring to Dune's tech right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dune's going to be a whole guys, other thing. Just a heads up. When we do Dune... This Strap podcast for will be like four hours, four, maybe six. Like it's going to be, a, we'll do it in real time. And with Dune, the movie. <laughs> Dune, Dune for the three of us actually has a really fun history because Zach had never read or known Dune until I'd we, heard of it. And he had heard of it. Yeah. Yes. It is one of his, my dad's my dad books, was a but. big fan and he was like, I saw one time on TV, he was watching the eighties movie, which is great, but bonkers. We and watched it here. We did. Right it was before awesome. We saw, but then the Chase loaned me the book. Yeah, and I, I read my, the book. My favorite book. I, I was like, you have to read this. It was awesome. We're going to be friends. So when we when we do when we do do that, that gonna was going to be. be uh, we we're just going to do a live reading of the book and talk about it as we read it. So um, I want to move on to the next section, which okay. I kind of break down into the like, it's a series of his life on the planet. Cause basically we see him fly in on a spaceship. It crashes in mm -hmm. the cornfield and then it cuts to him being on an oil rig. Right. Yeah. Oh, like that's a, he's like a hitchhiker. What I like to call this segment is a deadliest jobs montage. <laughs> yeah. featuring Henry Cavill because he literally goes Not deadly he, for him. He goes and he's like a logger for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, other than like, he's a waiter at one point, but I mean, I don't know. That can be a little, Wait, when you say logger, do you mean when he, takes the guy's logs out of his truck and turns it into a pickup stick. Okay. Quietly, that part to me was sense. actually very uncool of him to do. Like that, that guy might be was that guy's uncool. Life. Yeah. But you're going <laughs> to like that truck is worth what? A hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, he may have destroyed that guy's livelihood. I'm just saying. He's got insurance. It'll be fine. Oh gosh, I, <laughs> He had it coming. for an act of God. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, he's, he's on an oil rig. Um, well, no. he's on a boat. He's he on, saves he's the doing people on the way. He's on a boat. Yeah, he's, he's doing deadliest so catch he, yeah. stuff, which is yeah. what inspired the segment's name, which was yes. That guy's really concerned that he's going to get crushed by that cage. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> Look he, out. he goes and oh, saves. No. <laughs> he goes from deadliest catch to save, like basically a firefighter on an oil rig. Again, another deadly job, right? Awesome um, scene. Yes. Except, I, and throughout this whole thing, um, so he does the oil rig. And then he falls into the ocean and has his first flashback. I do have one major issue. Okay. One, like, I just hated it as soon as I saw it. The oil rig thing, scene is so good, other than when he walks up to let the people out of the, the bulkhead and he's on fire, like, his chest hair is, like, on fire but not on fire. I like, think his clothes were burning. They were off. But they were in the process like, of burning off. It was off. very weird. Was, I did not okay. like it. Well, it okay. kind of turned him into the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. He's <laughs> like in his shorts still. But yeah. And I do like that his clothes were actually like melting with the fire. Like I thought mm -hmm. that was a, a, a thing that a lot of That's directors. That's there's though, a I get version it. where he comes through that door naked. Yeah. yeah. Right? You know Zack Snyder filmed it too. Yeah. Um, I want to see that. So he has his first flashback and, we, and he kind of intercuts <laughs> all of these like deadliest job montages with mm -hmm. he's doing a thing. And then there's a flashback to his childhood where he, you're learning a little bit what mm -hmm. it was like growing up and him having all these issues. And this whole segment is really just kind of going, you know, he's trying to stay under the radar. You constantly see him doing these jobs. Um, and but then he can't help. He can't help saving help. people. Yeah. Right. And then we see him growing up where, you know, he first discovers his power and has this whole anxiety attack mm -hmm. and hides in the closet. And, and um, he's, 
saving people on the bus when the bus flips off the bridge. Mm -hmm. And we see all these different things. And so it's a good parallel of like, he's, he's constantly kind of having this back and forth. And then obviously um, Kevin Costner is um, telling him, don't use your powers. Everyone's going to hate you. Right. Or they won't understand you. And so it's like, there's just this really great back and forth. And there's just so many great quotes in this. Um, some of the things I love the most is one. I like the x-ray vision, how they depict it. Cause mm -hmm. we usually just see like the bones thing and like it, like phasing in and out of musculature and yeah. stuff, I think was a nice touch mm -hmm. as opposed to just good, doing yeah. easy, like I can see your bones kind of a thing. Right. Um, there's some great, the drip feed back and forth of like, here's a little bit of him in the future. Here's a little mm -hmm. bit in the past because they could have very easily done all of the stuff. Linear. The it's yeah. nice that it's intermixed. Yeah. And I think that was a great choice editing wise. And they end it with a flashback. That is an awesome shot of yes. him as a child and his mm. parents watch him. Yeah. He's got the cape on and he's like, yeah. Oh, and we're going to talk about that shot. It was kind of that a meta shot. moment actually. Cause he's got like a Superman cape. Yeah. On. yeah. <laughs> that is literally <laughs> one of the best cinematic. I have that written down. Like I watched that last it's a great scene. ending. It, it's it's just cinematically gorgeous. Like that could have just been. It's the that was movie part of the trailer that they use that. There's like, like a haze to it too. Yeah, and which this is, is very yeah, Zack Snydery. Cool. Like he's yeah. got a lot of bloom, a lot of haze, a lot of oranges and lens flares. But that that Not as many lens flares as JJ, right? No, that's true. <laughs> but that whole segment at the end where he's with the dog mm -hmm. and and the parents are watching and there's they're quoting over the top of it voiceover. It's just like cinematic perfection like okay. the whole movie's worth just watching that segment honestly in my opinion but i did want to talk about um there's some great moments that are are just quotes that i wrote down as i was listening so jonathan kent says at one point people are afraid of what they don't understand and we see that kind of thematic come up multiple times throughout this i mean it's really not till the end that people really accept him and that really plays into his trust and you know what's interesting about this that man though? is not our enemy. Yeah. What's <laughs> what's the what's the second the the sequel to this was Batman versus Superman, right? Right. And what does Bruce Wayne think? He doesn't understand it. He sees the power and he makes and he a plan to destroy it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. so Bruce Wayne is exactly what Jonathan Kent says. Correct. If Superman is a Christ metaphor, what does that make Batman? I mean, Batman is not Satan. Come on. <laughs> Batman is awesome. Batman is the best we've got. So we're not going to talk about, about Batman here. Um, Maybe Ben Affleck is Satan. I'm okay with that. Yeah, okay. Ben Affleck. Batman's had its own storied history of actors and who's good and who's bad. Um, I loved the scene just as we start moving on to the kind of, we're going to mm -hmm. get into the, the deep dive. But the scene where Martha's talking him out of the closet after he's had mm -hmm. like his first meltdown, mm -hmm. I think is such a like, it's her just like, nailing it it's great development for both characters yeah, you see like, you see how he grew up and how it was difficult you know you also see that when he's getting bullied and he has the fence that has a dent because he was grabbing it so right. hard because he didn't want to fight well, back and this and phrase that she uses or he says the world's too big mm -hmm. and it's it like that can feel like yeah. people go through that on a daily basis mm -hmm. like, like there's just these moments where it's like the movie's doing more work they well, made superman a, relatable which yes. is just hats off for that yeah that's the biggest it's win a, it's also a great setup for later when the the other Kryptonians show up and they don't know how to deal with it. Mm. And mm. you see how he's been nurtured by parental figures. We'll talk about that. Cause I did yeah. not love that part. <laughs> well, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Right. Yeah. But it's, yes. you, it's a good point that you bring up. So after this point, we basically, we, we meet Lois. They meet in their ice cave, have a little bit of a, a cute meet as she's 
battling for her life against the the little it's the droid classic thing. rom com setup. Yes, the classic rom com setup. Um, he finds out who he is. Russell Crowe kind of talks about the history of Krypton, mm-hmm. what's going on, and then um, he finally kind of he's you're, the deadliest jobs montage was basically him going out trying to figure out who he is, right? And so and now he knows. He he finds out, goes home. Martha's there, and just about that time is when Lois also kind of finds out who he is. Yeah. She detect it detects her way. My first pet peeve of this movie is what her what? finding out who he is when she follows him into that ice cave and she's like precariously hiking around the side of that cliff in ice. And it's ridiculous. Yes. That's a little ridiculous. It bothers me. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah, fine. That okay. is to, that is to chase to Henry Cavill's chest hairs being on fire to me. So yeah, <laughs> we yes. all get a couple. Fair, fair enough. Um, fair enough. I'll have mine later. Yeah. The so we get to this point and then we start kind of seeing the next big threat, right? So it's like can, can we pause really quickly? Yes, go. I one thing I did love about this movie, Lois Lane Lois Lane is actually a good reporter. Like I feel like I've seen her so much, she's like, she's a great reporter, and then, and like, then she literally, and then she literally does out. nothing and she's just there <laughs> and she has no thought process. And this, you know, she she's already written a great story, she's got some cred, but not you know, she's still fighting with her editor, she's following these things, she tracks him down. Like I thought, you know, seeing her as a really good journalist was kind of refreshing and I appreciated it. So Well, and I think her relationship with Perry's nice too, because usually Perry just gets like he's just the angry guy, mm-hmm. but it's like, you see him being like a good editor, <laughs> a good editor for one and being like, no, you can't run this crazy story. Yeah. Are you insane? But two, like, he's also kind of a mentor slash like he does care about her. It's not just mm-hmm. like a, like, cause they, he's like, my guys are telling me I should sue you. And he's like three weeks leave. And then he's like, I know you're dropping this for more than one. Like yeah. you, he's more than just this like throwaway character, which he very easily could yes. have been. Well, like you said, everyone in this movie is casted really oh my well. Gosh, it's so they, good. They bring, they bring it, you know, every single person brings it. So once we get through this point, we basically get Zod's return, right? So Zod comes back where the movie does like a hard 180 and turns into a horror movie for about five minutes where the, <laughs> oh, where, yeah. because yeah. the lights all shut off and like Zod takes over the airwaves. It's like the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did I turn on the wrong movie? Yeah. Like it literally just hard pivots. That part was awesome. Like scary. You're trapped in the house and this voice you can't understand mm-hmm. and the screen's all glitchy. And then all of a sudden at the end of it, the lights click back on. She drops something and like, or the light bulb pops and it's like, okay, that was the five minute Zack Snyder horror movie <laughs> that you've been waiting for. <laughs> and he's over it. That scene, uh, it, there's like that moment where it's like staticky, but you hear stuff. It, Cause when the movie starts, they're in Krypton and they're speaking the King's English. Right. And obviously on earth we speak English, but you know, they might, you know, we, do they speak English on Krypton? Really? I don't know. And right. so that scene was kind of interesting. It was almost like they're figuring out what Earth speaks to translate. Mm-hmm. It, and, and I don't know how that figures later, but that's what that scene kind of yeah. felt like to me. It was kind of cool. It's like aliens have just arrived and they're trying to they're figure like, out how to communicate with us. So yeah. it's like this algorithm they send out and it's like, all right, we found it. All right, now we know their language. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then they all know it and speak it. But mm-hmm. um, so I did actually... There was one thing I skipped that we have to. So before Zod comes back, uh, Superman takes the spaceship that was down in the Arctic that him and Lois got mm-hmm. met in, and he takes it to the North Pole. Yeah. And Russell Crowe gives him the debrief or whatever. And then he gets his super suit, mm-hmm. and we see, and this the, the name of the song at this point is called First Flight, but it's literally his 
first flight. And it's like really when the music is just making you, it's the one that they use in the mm-hmm. trailer. It's a great scene. It's, it's so good. And it's like, you get this moment where it's so epic. You feel it. You're like, Oh yeah, he's going to take off. They, they intersperse some comedy in it. Yeah. Cause he fails and like crashes. Epically fails through a mountain, through a mountain. Cool. but they don't make it too funny. Yeah. Which is but good. it's just yeah. enough to be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, Oops. He gets he gets back up again and tries again and it's so much a perfect summation mm-hmm. of this whole movie of like you have to get back up it's the thing Jonathan's constantly constantly teaching him and the build up to him actually like fully taking off and like really hitting it and you get this this voiceover where uh Jonathan Kent's speaking cuz at this point I think he's died I think Yeah yeah he's him. he's dead at this point but you hear his voiceover and he says Give the people of Earth an ideal to strive for. They'll stumble and fall, but in time they will join you in the sun. They will come, or they, and in time they will accomplish wonders. So actually, I think that was Russell Crowe saying yeah, that. That's Russell Crow, but that yeah. voiceover is just like so, yeah. like you're just like I want to go out and like save some people after this like scene. It's just like music, CGI, the the visuals, the the voiceover. Russell Crowe's just like voice acting his butt off. Like it's just so. Should we have the so discussion good. right now about the difference in the dad's philosophies and how that affects him? I mean, this is called a daddy implies. issues so, episode, so maybe we should talk about some dads before well, we get too much further. Well, let's let's talk about three different dads then, because we have Russell Crowe as Jarrell. Yes. We have Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent, and then we have Ethan Hawke in The Northman as King Galera. We'll bring our we'll bring our first <laughs> we'll bring our first dad back in. Yeah. From so, the Northman conversation. So I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, the Northman is much simpler. His dad is shown, you know, the movie ends up telling you and showing you his dad is a violent man who likes to fight and is a warrior. And that's pretty much who he is. Mm. And he does bad things. And that's who Amleth becomes in a lot of ways. Um, And in man of steel, it's more complicated because his earth dad teaches him good values. You know, he's growing up in, in rural Kansas, you know, he's learning good values. He's probably believes in God, all that kind of stuff. You know, he's a, KU Jayhawk. He does fan. believe in God because he goes to a church, which is a note I have to talk about. Oh, that's a, a good point. Too, it's an interesting moment. Yeah, but anyways. I don't love the. I I never like pastors in media because they always they never make them smart, right. which is a problem. But anyways, anyway, sorry. Um, no, yeah, that's talk. fine. That's fine. Uh, so so that that's you know his Kansas dad, his Earth dad is like you know be careful, stay under the radar, don't don't do to the point, and he's so dedicated and believes that Jonathan Kent believes that so much he dies. Right, Be, we see to, that to defend scene. that. Yeah, he tells him does not come and save yeah. him from the hurricane, which you always know tornado. a parent's... Yes, yeah, sorry, tornado. You always know a parent's going to die the moment that the kid has a fight and says, you're not my real dad or I hate you, yeah. which literally <laughs> happens. Spider-Man. Which yeah. 100% happens. Spider-Man, all of them. Every, all of, every but, single one of them. But then we see Jarrell, who's like... Get it, man. Have that swagger. <laughs> Get it, man. You got this. You got... And that's what Jarrell is. And it's really interesting to see. And I think it is interesting, and I don't know exactly what it says about the movie and, and the full implications. Jarrell is the one who's kind of right. You know, even though he comes from the planet that's dead and dying and it has no risk and everything's ordered. He's, he's the right. one taking risks. Like, Th- they that is did true. Jarrell, Jarrell's a man. And then it's funny because Jonathan Kent is a little bit like Krypton in that. And Jonathan Kent is great, and he raises suit and does a great job as his dad. And it's not just, you know, in the movie, Kevin Costner does a good job acting. But also in the movie and in every Superman story ever, Jonathan Kent is an awesome dad. And right. so th- th- there's no, this movie isn't saying he wasn't, but he does have a belief that that is wrong. It is more in line with Krypton than Earth. 
where you got to play it safe. You have to just got to play it safe. You, you need know, to know. Stay under the radar. A huge theme in this is choice, right? Mm-hmm. We we wanted choice. We didn't want to. They had a natural birth because they. Jarrell asked the question, what if one of these kids doesn't want to do the thing that they're assigned yeah. for the rest of their life? What if and he could be anybody? Yeah, and it's like, it's the same freedom we see, you know, uh, in Jesus. It's mm-hmm. like everyone sees it as, oh, well, you know, if you just follow these things and the world wants to tell you, as long as you do these things, you're going to be happy. And it's like, well, actually, no, you actually are more free through this. Yeah. It's a freedom that you unlock, right? Mm-hmm. And so Jorel believes in that so much that they do the natural birth thing um, to break out of this loop of like predetermined things and following only what the society mm-hmm. says is best for them. And we, we do, I mean, like you said, you know, uh, Jonathan Kent's not portrayed as a bad dad, but he's definitely on the like, you need to. He, he's like, a great he's dad, but he has dad. a belief that yeah. is flawed, that's untrue. Absolutely. I just like that the dads and there's two of them mm-hmm. and both of them are good dads when dads get crapped on. It's a good point. Yeah. In everything. Everything. It's always this Homer from like Homer Simpson to Ray Ramon. Like they're just they're all they're, stupid. They're and stupid. Dumb. They're pathetic. Well, we, they're even, weak. we even see that in the Northmen, right? It's like the Northmen it basically turns out that I do love that they he did love his son though, and they did show like a good relationship between the father and the son. The Northmen did a good job of showing yeah. it. The, right. A lot of these other ones are just like <laughs> dads are dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like that's well, and their... it's like they even try to reverse that a little bit. They're like, You didn't know your dad at all. He was actually a horror mm-hmm. whoring around and he was a drunkard, and it's like so they kind of tried to take that moment back where there was mm-hmm. like, oh, he is a good dad and he's trying to like get his son ready to take over mm-hmm. and he has he's playing and, you know, per- yeah. farting and burping. But then like they at the end, they're like, just kidding. He's not a good dad. He's well, a bad dad. But I also think that that's probably part of the story. I, I give more leeway, leeway to stories it. that are, you know, that's that's well, he was a good dad story. to his son. And right. and he was a good dad, to, but he wasn't a great man, you know, right. and that's. And, and it, it's Sometimes much more complicated. Mean, yeah. It's a lot more complicated than Homer Simpson, Simpson being an idiot. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so in parallel, so, you know, we're talking about the dads. So we hear Jor-El during the first flight when he's really discovering his powers. We, mm-hmm. we hear him give this epic speech of, you know, give them something to strive for. They'll stumble and fall, but in time they'll join you in the sun. So he's got this idea of like, you can be greatness and yeah. you could pull people you can along with yeah. you to be great. You can push them to be great. And then immediately after that, we see a scene where John, where he, uh, Clark's getting shoved down and he's like, I really wanted to punch him. And mm-hmm. he's like, I kind of wanted you to punch him too. But he says, you know, you have to decide what kind of man you want to be. Mm-hmm. Good character or bad is going to change the world. And I don't necessarily think that's, you know, as we're talking about dads and the way men are portrayed in media lately, I don't think that's necessarily just people with superpowers. It's like oh, it's- your choice as a man of who you want to be, yeah. good character or bad, can change the world. Will Choices it, have consequences. Yeah. yeah. And will it necessarily affect somebody in Saudi Arabia? Maybe not, mm-hmm. but it'll definitely affect the people in your world around you. And mm-hmm. so I think, again, we're just got two rock star dads given yeah, the best that, dad that, advice on the planet. It's, I it's mean, awesome. And, and in props to this movie for making Superman, Superman in this movie was not his powers. I feel like in so much media, Superman is his powers. It's what he can do. Right. In this movie, it's not what he can do at all. It's like he is Clark Kent, and oh wow, there's these random cool powers that he has that are. But he's like, what the heck, right. you know? And trying to figure it we out. We see him more restrained 
and not able to use his power more than we see him at full power, which you yeah. kind of have to do because otherwise Superman kind of just runs over everybody. Yeah. But he's very relatable in this. Like usually most people's issue with Superman is, well, he's just so good and perfect that they you call this OP. Yeah. Well, usually the issue <laughs> is he has no weakness. Right. And, I, and I was listening to a, uh, a review from, you know, there's a podcast that's a little similar to this called Rewatchables mm-hmm. from The Ringer. And they did a Batman one. And they, you know, one of the guys was like, the reason Batman is so good is because he's all weakness. And he overcomes that. The reason Superman's bad is because he's all strength. And so there's no no issue. But this movie did a Snyder good job. figured it out. He did. I felt like Superman was so real. And so many of less, the lessons that would apply to all of us, like the one you just said about who are you going to be? What man are you going to become? Good character or bad? That is for every single person on this planet. Just to finish up with kind of our, you know, this is a man's man, not in the like way that most media wants to like go, well, that's a toxic man. Mm-hmm. But- they could have very easily made Henry Cavill shave his chest, but he has oh, he has a hairy a great chest. Hairy chest, yeah. Like and the, and he's got like you can see hair coming out from the bottom of his. Uh, for those of you who are just listening, it's a I'm, masculine movie. Yeah, it, yeah. He, he's very much a like I'm not the like prim proper everything shaved and groomed thing. Yeah. Which it's like if that's your thing or you just can't grow chest hair, that's fine. But they intentionally left him. In kind of his natural state of the, masculine, yeah, yeah, masculine, and I love that. Um, so Zod basically comes over the airwaves. If we're moving down our, our 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 segment, Zod comes out and says, "You need to surrender the, your fugitive that you've been harboring." Yeah, and you know, there's this great scene where Lois gets chased down because everybody's like, "She knows who he is," yeah. and she goes on a whole FBI thing. And we have this amazing scene, but it's also a little too, it's a little on the nose where. Clark goes to a priest to basically say, I'm the guy they're looking for. What should I do? And literally in stained glass behind him is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane (laughs) begging for this thing to be taken away from him. I'm like, okay. I mean, Superman is kind of a Messiah parallel, but at the same time, the archetype is strong with this this one. (laughs) I was like, this is a little like, this is a little much, even for me. I'm like, you couldn't have just like, couldn't have settled it up a little bit. You could have picked any other pain, but Superman as Jesus is not not good because he's not Jesus. He makes mistakes. You know, yeah. he struggles with things. So there's just so many parallels to the story that are mm-hmm. just hard to ignore. You yeah, know, like he has a heavenly father. He has an earthly father. His I, heavenly father sends no, him to it, Earth. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. I would have enjoyed a much more, um, just a much more intelligent discussion with that priest. Because that priest seemed a little lost, oh, which yeah. I get. And there's a lot, you know, well, norm, normal people, people who are normal are priests and pastors and everything, but some of them are intelligent. And I would yeah. like just it would watch be a nice movie for them to have a really good, interesting conversation instead of just be like, um, cool, go do it. You're amazed. Wow. Bye. Like, yeah. yeah. And so I, I, that scene was very funny to me. Like, well, and then also like, when he flies off the spaceship, right? Yeah. And he's literally... Like the in the no, 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 no. He's in the team. Well, you got to re- you got to rewind about ten seconds because his father's uh, Russell Crowe's talking to him, and he goes, he literally goes right before that. He goes, "You can save them all." And as he floats out, he does he like does yes, the cross, exactly. The cross, it's so like, bad. The, <laughs> it's like hashtag. He is my Superman, but hashtag not my savior. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Let's make some bumper stickers. <laughs> he is my Superman. He He's not, not my, my savior. savior. That'll be our first merch. Um, okay. So from this point on, we kind of like really pedal to the metal. It kind of just turns into a lot of sequences of fight and flight and a lot of uh, 
action. kind of action and Battle. like just scene yeah. changes, right? Yeah. And so we kind of see the power of Kryptonians going at each other. Um, so I want to kind of put the rest of this into kind of like the back half of the mm-hmm. movie segment, and then we'll kind of talk about the ending. Um, this is where we really start seeing a lot of the CGI and the uh, fight choreography takeoff. And I want to start this off by talking about how the fight choreography and the CGI make everything feel realistic. Everything mm-hmm. obeys the laws of physics. So when the speed happens, it's a speed that feels believable when he hits a wall and he's flying at mock speed and throwing someone through a wall he goes through multiple walls and then stops like physics would yeah. actually do when he picks up that u-haul van to throw it at the helicopter you see it crumple and then when he applies force to actually throw it it crumples further and it's mm-hmm. like there's these little nerdy things but it's like every hit everything yeah. feels like it has weight and it actually matters. I yeah. thought the train was a great example. The train yeah. just feels like a train well, flying. It's it such crazy. a comedy moment too because it just like comes out of nowhere. There's just this train like, that oh, flies. Train. Yeah. But the one of the reasons this this is one of the first times they start using what's called digi doubles. So they took photo scans of um, Henry Cavill in these different positions and obviously the other actors, and they made a CGI representation of them that. In camera moves, they plan for, okay, we'll have him kind of start moving this way and we'll whip pan the camera, Mm -hmm. which is when you move it very quickly and it kind of blurs. And then we can replace it with these CGI Mm -hmm. ones that allow you to do more things because traditional action work in camera work is you use wires. And so, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is to move someone as fast as they are doing and throw people would like kill this them. would literally kill them. Yeah. And so this is when they finally started figuring out and the technology got good enough that they could start doing digi doubles where they could basically replace them in and out of shots. And they just had to plan it out. So it's like, as these different things are happening, that's the way, that's the reason it feels so good. But they also understood how to, respect the law of physics. And I think we see a lot of our modern um, superhero movies, like a lot of it doesn't make sense. You don't feel it. Like this is a Mar- very visceral. I don't feel a thing when I watch a Marvel movie. But it it's doesn't like every feel punch. My biggest complaints. Every punch, all the speed, it all feels I, as a side note, grounded in reality. The speed was one of my favorite things. Yeah. Cool. Because, well, because you think about it, Superman would be crazy fast in the movement. You, he would be a blur. You wouldn't even see him most of the time. And so many movies are just like, Oh, he run fast. And it just like looks oh, weird. It's fast. like, okay. But this, it was like, just seeing how they almost teleport. Cause they're so quick and yeah. so strong. Well, and they can both do it. So they're simultaneously fighting each other. At just, mock it was crazy speed. and right. weird, but it was, I thought it was so good. It made, it made the movie in my opinion, look so good. And it made it so you felt, so that like it felt so real. I love the the reverse of this that played out in the sequel. <laughs> there was a, it was such it was like the better scene in that movie mm-hmm. for all its faults is when the Flash thinks he's like hot stuff and he's gonna zoom around when they're all trying to get Superman in and, <laughs> and you Henry see his eyes. eyes and Flash just... sees his eyes. He's like, oh no, he can see me, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I would just run away at that. I'd yeah. be like, I'm out, guys. Bye. Out, bye. <laughs> bye. Um, so that's one of the things that they really started utilizing, which I think is why this feels so good. The other thing that we start seeing technically as we start moving into this big action montage is this is one of the first movies where they start doing full CGI costume replacements. Mm. So if you look at um, 
for the video audience, we'll probably put some shots of this in. But for the podcast audience, if you're just listening, you see these mocap suits. Um, they're not like the big like lycra ones that you see them wearing, but it's like just like tracking panels on them. And they're just wearing like sweats and, and this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the costume department going, oh, we'll figure it out later. So when the Kryptonians land, those big armor things, their mm-hmm. whole head things, all CGI. They oh, look wow. really good like too. through the whole movie? Through the whole thing. So like Zod's and everything when he's like all at the it. end when he uh, that's well, crazy I, or like or like on Krypton in the beginning because yes, he's kind of wearing the all same the armor thing. all the armor all that stuff really? is full CGI that's so they, I thought really it was believable. practical I yep. thought it was practical it's, it's so incredible. good well and it's like it's crazy huh. because it also I mean it's a little bit like we'll figure it out later just like get so, some shots and and part of the way they were able to do this is because they started capturing. Um, lighting with cameras so that they could and then then he did lidar scans so your your iphone 12 and up now have lidar on them which is kind of like mini radar Mm -hmm. and so but back then it was a whole brand new technology and so they would literally radar scan these entire sets so they could make full 3d sets that were actual which is why when you come in and out of these cgi moments it looks so good. Like that's the reason all this stuff looks so good. And is that's because, why it looks so much better than Ryan Reynolds, Greenland. Yes. 100% <laughs> because they had this technology that basically came in right in the nick of time that's to make perfect. this movie. Wow. I guess we're lucky that this got made when it did. Yeah. yeah. At least it ended up being perfect not sooner. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Not sooner. But I mean, they kind of started this whole trend of like, well, we'll just figure out the costumes and post. <laughs> If yeah. this had the CGI of uh, Matrix, the second Matrix yes. Revolutions. Yeah. I would, the yeah, big I would. stick fight where he's fighting all the Smiths. That looks horrendous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is bad CGI. Well, that was CGI that they were trying to do before it was ready. Yeah. So, um, okay. So that was all my technical nerd ranting on that, that I just wanted to share. Cause I think some well, of good. these things are I did brand not know new. any of that. So yeah. that's cool. Um, but so we're kind of into the, the big fight segment, uh, my last thing is the knife duel anticipation when the ru- when the rug gets pulled out, which later comes back. But the girl general uh, and a good death is its own reward. A good death yeah. is its own reward, and they're about to have this like knife battle. Like he pulls out a knife because he's out of gun or out of bullets. Um, yeah. This is the uh, Christopher Maloney yeah, character yeah. and and the female general, and they're about to have a knife duel. And all of a sudden, like they are about to attack each other. And all of a sudden, like Clark just comes out of nowhere and sucker punches her. It's like the best like turn of like, you're ready. You have this anticipation. And then all of a sudden it's just like, boom, and she's gone. And then the train comes flying in and also hits him. So it's like, it's a very funny joke yeah. because your expectation is something is going to happen. And all of a sudden she just gets like yeah. sucker punched out of nowhere. Cause he had previously pulled a knife out on her earlier, right? When they were down in the town. Well, this is in the Well, town. that's when he oh. would, he pulled the knife out. This is that first part. But then on the plane, he does a, it again. Yes, that's yes. different. Okay. But, but, that's, but, but this, this is one the first time. is so good. Yeah. Okay, so um, big battle. What do you want to talk about here? Big battle, just there's so much destruction. <laughs> okay, before so we get to the destruction, though, I want to talk oh, about yeah. him destroying the terraformer. Yes. That, so I you, had that as a You note. had your... You know, the fire on his chest. Yes. You had, what was yours again? The thing that you didn't like? Oh, the was, ice climbing with... It was almost not worth oh, mentioning, her, her but we climbing. were talking about it and it came to my mind. The yeah. thing that annoys the heck out of me about this movie is, you know how Superman destroys the terraformer machiner? He flies up into he it like He tries harder. Day. Just <laughs> yeah. try harder. Yeah. He's not being smart. There's no sacrifice involved. There's not, like, the full measure of difficulty. He's going, ah, like, that's it. He's Goku powering. I'm just like, he's, he's just doing. yelling. I'm like, come on. I I really was frustrated by that scene because there's a million ways you could 
fly away from it and then like fly through it at mock speed yeah. or fly up and use your heat vision. But instead he's like, ah, yeah. and I'm like, so that part for me was a little annoying and it doesn't take away too much. But they're bringing the much. Christ metaphor further around. That's the, yeah. uh, that's the day of Pentecost. Oh where my he rises gosh. Up into the it was line. just yeah, so. That's like, that's like that manufactured uh, it was contrived, uh, but the music's yeah, real good. During like, that. I'm just I'm being it forced <laughs> to believe that. It's, so actually, on the flip, literally the flip side of that scene is something else that annoys me is that things like crushing the city mm-hmm. on the other side, and you're like watching these cars get like compacted, and the people and the people are fine. Yes. Yeah, I wrote re- that down as a as a nitpick oh. <laughs> about things that I'm like. That doesn't make sense. Like, the cars this movie do- could have been a great rated R movie <laughs> if yes. it was real, and they were just getting like. <laughs> that would have been disgusting. It would have oh been, my yeah. Gosh, so it, so I that annoys me. It doesn't it doesn't mess the movie up too much, which I think is good. They want but, it for the big soundtrack. But yeah. I just I was like, he, I wish they would have had him defeat it in a different way because well, that we, way to me was silly. We, okay, this is a good time to talk about this. This is like, and this might just be uh, my ignorance to the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was under the impression that Kryptonite made Superman weak, not yes, atmospheres. Correct. Well, the atmosphere does a little bit. So so it's a little bit of both. Because uh, that whole thing throughout the whole movie, as I've rewatched it again, I was like trying to find something, because I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. To me, I, and I when I really love a movie, I, try, I, I just tend not to nitpick them. I'm like mm-hmm. forgiving mm-hmm. if I just generally like the movie. But I'm like, okay, let me find something I don't like about it. That, to me, was, because it it's kind of through, once Zod shows up more, mm-hmm. at least, it's kind of this thing where it's like he gets weak in different times when... Uh, he's like uh, yeah. he goes on their ship and they change the atmosphere and then he but there's no well the atmosphere is of Krypton and and so there's part of it that yeah, I they get. set that up in the beginning and so it, it on one hand it makes sense but then on the other hand his dad's like we're sending you to Earth where you're going to be in the sun's radiation and it's going to turn you into okay, God and so, he's still right there so it's hard well well that part is canon uh, okay so, so the canon on that is that the the radiation from our sun our sun is younger than Krypton's was yeah and it's a yellow sun and that radiation is just superpowers his metabolism and you yeah. know all of his anatomy. and all the other ones that show up but, same with them yeah too. Yes. but krypton had a red sun so it's not necessarily the air so if if they have like a red you know how in alaska and places where it's dark most of the year they'll have like a, a a sunlight thing so you don't get like depressed there's like you have to get the vitamin d from it yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll have those rays so if they have like those rays inside then maybe a little bit i do think it's a fair nitpick though well and i do it's, think i do think it also could be like what their air is made up of, the atmosphere is made up of, like that could be part of it. But like he maybe can go has, into space and he's the, fine. And that was so my that's issue. The thing I was that like, I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's a kind of a tough one. It's yeah. it's especially when everyone knows that kryptonite does exactly that to yeah. him. Yeah. And yeah. and you're like, wait, where's the because they bring kryptonite into mm-hmm. the sequel. Right. And so you're like, wait, because Maybe that if, was peak. if Zack Snyder was deciding just not to use kryptonite and instead change it to like the and it's like, okay, it's kind of hard to grasp but okay he doesn't want to use kryptonite he's using this different thing and it i think that's a fair it, nitpick is all i'll say yeah. i think i admit, i get what you're saying and i and think again that that's a little bit doesn't ruin the movie for me yeah but it's a weird one it's a weird mm-hmm. thing when i'm watching i'm like i don't fully it's, understand this it's the krypton and vibes it, it does it's set the up vibes that's yeah what it, it, set up, it sets up tension and, yeah. and conflict so i get it but mm-hmm. it's still and then obviously then and then you're you're at the same time it's hurting him you're kind of trying to track how they can navigate like because they're actually technically they're fine it just kind of overloads them and you were going to say something about that earlier yeah i don't like that zod can figure it out in three so fast he kind of just like they try to flexes his hand and then well they want to like hand wave it they're like oh he's a soldier so he's used to dealing with 
new things quicker. Yeah, I I would have liked more to see him struggle. And he struggled a little bit. Like, he gets heat vision through it. He gets flight through it and everything. Like, it takes him time to Before get Before he things. flies, he crawls. Yeah. <laughs> Up the building. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, so, so they do show a little bit. I would have liked to see more of him struggling a little bit. Because one thing, we can talk about the destruction, and I think it's an important thing to talk about. But that there are parts of that last fight scene that, that annoy me. You know, first off, Zod, this highly trained soldier, so highly trained that he can hone his senses in three seconds, can't get out of a headlock from some farmer from Kansas. Yeah. I mean... Well, Superman from Kansas. And, yeah, but Superman's, <laughs> Superman, the whole point of this movie, he's literally never fought somebody. And oh. then he can just take Zod hand to hand? Like, come on. Here's another weird uh, uh, Krypton's using earthly objects physics thing. Like, I get if another Kryptonite hits, Kryptonian hits another. Mm-hmm. But when... Like, you use something from Earth that can't damage Superman. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't but, that but technically be like him swinging like a balloon at him? Well, but there's technically there's still mass. No, no matter what happens, there is in physics mass, yeah. and so that mass still has momentum and all this stuff. Yeah. So it can still knock you around. It's just won't a, hurt you as bad. This kind of like ties into a pet peeve I have with lots of superhero movies that mm-hmm. I understand why they do it, but I just I so distracted by it. It's when superheroes, when they choose to make them strong and when they mm-hmm. choose to make them weak. The varying power levels. Varying, the varying yeah. power levels where it's like, you did that and now this is a conflict, this is a struggle I think they have a little bit of that in this movie, yeah. but I think this is one of the least variable yeah. in the power. I think this one is one of the better, the best ones that keeps it close. It's not yeah. perfect. This is just something I was wondering about. I was like, wait, no, it, would that steel beam really even... It, I could see him moving him, it, maybe, but like well, hurting him. So it would know. still... it would The mass would still would still affect you, you know? It oh, would, and the, the thing cuts him in the ship. That was another thing. I was like, remember, oh, I did not remember that thing that. with the arms when it, it's going to kill like Lois? Oh, but that's, crypt, that's, that's Kryptonian technology, so I'm okay with that. Because it's like a laser whip thing. But again, right? on Krypton, where they're not as strong as he is, why do they have something that? Why can it hurt him there? That's what you know what I mean. Like there is some questions. I have I, questions. I, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I, I guess there's. I think it makes enough sense, and, yeah. and I'm okay with it. There's some suspension of disbelief, yeah. but yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, just, I was going to say something earlier, and I didn't want to interrupt. How did his family suit get onto that ship? Was that his family's ship? I guess I was just. That's, I mean, yeah, that is I'm, a good question. I'm Why fine is to believe. The L- because they just say they sent people on, out. Because that's from twenty thousand years ago. Yeah, I've I've, I've got to think I've got to think that it just was in the family. A, uh, no, no, like who or said, it generated it. Yeah, who says it can't generate it? I mean, I know, it's, I know, it's yeah. this magic ship anyway. This like, is not a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. I was just, this is a question because yeah. I was like, it was uh, I was looking, I was like, oh wait. I mean, the suit can also withstand anything. It's like so. Star Trek where they order yeah. food and it just. Psh, I'm yeah. guessing that's what happened. They got a three D printer on board. 3D there printer, you go. Yeah, they do look kind of three D printer like textures and stuff. Yeah. So. So basically from this point on, we're in big everything getting destroyed battle stuff. Oh, yeah. So we yes. talked about we talked about the world engine. Did um, anyone count how many buildings he flies through all, in one all point? Of them. No, no, I mean like oh. in one throw. Like he goes through like three or four. There's one where he goes through like seven. It's he, crazy. In, in, <laughs> in the other part of this gritty re- reboot, apparently Superman does not kill about care about killing civilians and that, in the middle of his That fight, fight scene was cool when when all of a sudden Zod figures out how to fly and they're chasing each other through the yeah. buildings and it's kind of like you're on a GoPro on Superman and it's like really really fast and it's like first person and then he stops and then Zod just sucker punt like sideswipes him yeah that part was really cool that whole scene was really cool just the like the cinematics of it you know whatever like yeah. I 
No, I didn't really choice. care that things were getting destroyed. I felt bad for the people that might be around those buildings. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, and I like that when the oof. world engine's like crushing buildings, everyone in the Daily Planet's like still hanging out oh, in the yeah. building. And it takes it takes Superman getting thrown through the yeah. building next okay, to that believe. before they're like, let's go. The, the same thing in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Bruce Wayne shows up. He's like, get out of the building. I'm like, dude, I would be taken by a lunch break. It's like, you're fine. I'm like, you can fire me. You're going to be dead. It won't make it to yeah. HR. <laughs> like... So, I mean, there's some really great fighting through this. I think it's some of the best depiction of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Metropolis is so destroyed. Um, and just the desolation and the waste. We see very, you know, where the world engine was. We see mirror images of kind of what Krypton looked like. It's just kind of a flattened. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's what it's doing. What city is Metropolis supposed to be? New York. New York. I thought it was supposed to be something closer to Kansas, like maybe Chicago. No, it's on the coast, I think. It's supposed to be New York. Oh, is, pretty, oh it is, isn't it's, it? It's kind of... If they you really look show at, an ocean shot. I thought maybe that's the lake that's next to Chicago. If, if you look at the kind of the, the geography of how things have to work, it's kind of like a big, massive bay, and Metropolis is on one side and Gotham is on the other. Yeah. With Bloodhaven in between. Oh, okay. See, I don't read the comics. So I looked it up one time because I was really thing. curious. And they're kind of close together. Yeah. Like, and you see that in Batman versus Superman, how he's in Metropolis uh, with Luther, and, and he flies across the bay to the port uh, where Bruce is. There's um and it's not just this movie. There's like like the old um Smallville and stuff. Mm -hmm. I swear I have this perception that it's like where he grows up and then where Metropolis is, is like not that far. Like oh, we're going into the city. It's not, but there. Well, Kansas is very far from I New York know. City. Very far from the East Coast. <laughs> but, but it's comic land. And uh, yeah, so okay. do you guys have anything else on the fighting? Cause I do actually kind of want to get into, you brought up Smallville. So I'd kind of like to start wrapping up by talking about, you know, other Superman. Wait, we, so whenever I want to wrap up, do I just bring up Smallville? Yeah, like your that's our that's our hate it. That's our no, that's our uh, <laughs> that's our playoff music. When you yeah. start talking about Smallville, that's the cue to. So I'll just say two last things. Then one, I did not. I've not watched Smallville, so you guys will have to carry that discussion. It's and and two, um, I thought the fight scene. I think there are nitpicks with it, but overall, I think it's. I think overall, it's good. Could, I thought they were cool. Could dragging could him through the gone, ground. Yes, could Zod have been not killed? That's the question. No, I didn't care. No. You didn't carry. I'm not way. like a no. comic purist or anything, so I no. It made sense. He to couldn't me. have flown up with him and stopped him from nuking that family. No, I mean yeah, maybe, but maybe, Zod's but then around. what Zod's going to do after that? No, Zod's I'm, pretty I'm just, committed. I'm playing devil's advocate. No, yeah, I, I agree. I'm just, no, I'm, I'm just fair, fair. I'm just. Yeah. I'd say no. How? Whether the, it was then there or later, nothing, he would have had to kill him. The, the only way Superman could have got out of killing him is if an experienced Superman who knew how to fight. And who'd had his powers for a long time and all the tech that him, the future Superman and then, gets. And then and then knows how to use kryptonite and red sun radiation combined to lock Zod in prison. That's the only way. And he had none of that. And so I'm fine with this fight scene. And I think it made sense that Zod died. And I don't think there was any other way. I think I that family would have died. Uh, a Superman uh four throwback where he like drive i mean this happened to superman not the other guy but when he drives him into the moon like buries oh, him yeah. <laughs> like a like a stake <laughs> yes. that would have been cool um before we do kind of like a, a wrap up on just like other supermans and how this compares i do love the weakness you see emotionally of him just crying into lois after mm -hmm. he's killed zod like i like that he doesn't just like wave it off and he's goes, crushed that's eh, fine and that she's there. I mean, the the it's whole like his human side. Like he just killed. So he's grown up more or less. Like, yeah. 
he he knows he has powers, but he's grown up with humans. I mean, he kills Doomsday he in the taking, comics, so yeah, it's like yeah. I, I, I don't have any issue with him. He didn't grow up with some like meta conception of himself as a superhero, so he yeah. just killed a person. And he, yeah, and I like that Lois is there for him. I think Lois has a a decent amount of autonomy. They could have very easily written her as just always. Lois was really good in this movie. I, I think I think she. I mean, there is points where it's like, okay, why did she go? Why is she on the airplane? Why is she? But it's like they always gave her a reason why she needed to be there as opposed to just being yeah. the running skirt girl yeah. through the building. So mm-hmm. I do like that Lois did um, have some autonomy. She made her own choices. She very rarely was there just because some person told her she had to be why there. Why did they want her to come up to the ship? Because uh, Jarrell had given her the instructions on how to do the fusion drive thing. I mean, when it turned out that all she had to do was put the key in, that's a little less like he gave her that. He gave her that when she was up there, though. Well, no, uh, no. The, I'm they, talking about on the plane. The Kryptonians. The Kryptonians. No, I, that's why I mean. Her, why did they want her to go up to their, their I ship? I have no. They, so Superman, when he turned himself in, asked that Lois be there. Yeah. So my guess is that he was he made her important, and the Kryptonians were okay. like, "Well, she's important. Then we better bring her too." That's and they kind had no of my perception. As a, as a yeah. yeah, that was kind of my perception. Yeah, first, but. Um, and I like that the Pentagon guys are like, "No, you can't have ours. You can have this one, but you can't have her." Like, I like that they weren't just like immediately like, "Yep, here you can have this one too." Whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, they were like, I, "Excuse us." It's like you can have the alien. That's fine. Yeah, I did. Yeah, like I that. generally like how they portrayed a lot of those guys. Like, I thought they did a great job on pretty much all the character portrayals. I didn't find any that I thought were bad. Yeah, the the this man is not our enemy scene was pretty good. That was it's, really good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I do. So to end, it actually, like, one of the last scenes before they do the, like, big wrap-up with uh, Clark playing around in the cape with the dog is him basically throwing a surveillance drone down in front of the This is my least favorite scene in the whole movie. Really? Yeah. Because I like that he's just, like, sassy about it. I think it's funny that he's, like, that's $200 million worth of stuff and then... But I mean, it is the drone at the end. Yeah. 12, 12, million. 12, 12 that's, million. That's nothing to the American tax. Yes, you're right. It's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do have trouble believing that they actually were able to track him. But I mean, I just thought it was a funny witty yeah. little thing of like a back and forth of like, you're not going to control me and you shouldn't try. And then it's kind of that wraparound of the trust thing, which I mean, overall, we see kind of a couple of big themes in this, which is hope. Hope's kind of the biggest one that mm-hmm. they're they're constantly kind of talking about. You can they can hope to be something more. You have hope. You create hope. Mm-hmm. Your name means hope. Your name means hope. Um, and then trust. We we see that multiple times throughout where it's like you have to sometimes you just have to trust that people will do the right thing. And it's very easy these days to just assume that mm-hmm. everyone's going to do not that right. And so we see that, and then obviously our daddy issue segment, which we already kind of talked about. So um, to kind of finish up this first podcast, thoughts on other portrayals of Superman, or is this the best version of Superman we've had up to date? So we've got um, Smallville Superman. There's a new Warner Brothers Superman that's running around on TV that's got its own spinoff. We have uh, Superman Returns. That one was awful. There was also the original guy that got Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. And so any any thoughts? Is this the best Superman we've ever had? Christopher Reeves are, those Supermans are memorable, but at this point they're like David Lynch's Dune. Like yeah. we have, they have a special place in our heart, but mm-hmm. we wanted a different one. Okay. <laughs> and we got it. The, the only other Superman I've seen, I saw 
returns, which we're just not going to talk about. <laughs> um, I've seen the older DC animated ones, uh, like uh, what was the the Batman one, the the animated series that was really popular. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they continued that into like the Justice League stuff. I saw some of that. I thought he was good, but he was still and and they he was decently developed. But I'd still say this one is by far, you know, I don't think there's a better iteration of Superman than than this one. Yeah, as would, a non-comic book reader, this to me, this is Superman. Yeah, and I'm you even brought up the animated ones, which I wasn't even going to talk about. But, I mean, that one, he's, like, the most, like, Boy Scout so unobtainably, like, you can't relate to him. The yeah. Smallville one was basically a drive at trying to make him relatable. They're like, oh, we're going to show him in high mm. school when, and I mean, it was in that, I mean, not that it's ever ended, get, but that, like, the, the, what is it? Like the, the YA young adults, mm -hmm. like love interest yeah. and the whole thing, like that's all happening in there. So it's more about that than it is. And the fun so. thing about that show is that, um, it, it, what pulls you into watching it is he gets his powers really slowly. Mm. Like he doesn't just have them all. Yeah. And so the dev part of the development of the character in that show is him. You're like, when's he going to get the next the power? Which, oh, okay. in, yeah. and, it's, and, and you can guess. When is he going to fly? And it does not ha I mean, I don't even, I stopped watching that show. I don't think I ever saw him fly in the show. No, I mean, it had like eight seasons or something yeah, like so that. So I don't know when he learns how to fly, but it, I mean, that first season you assume, okay, by the end of the first season, he'll probably learn how to fly. I don't think he did. And There's a fun, so the Warner Brothers has this whole like internal universe that they're running. Yeah. Um, and they did a see, they did a thing where that Superman actually goes into the multiverse and so he sees the Smallville Superman and one of the other Supermans while he's running around. So it's kind of a funny nod to this before. I do like the Lex Luthor in that show. Yes. I've, what's that guy's name? I know who you're talking about. He's very good. Because um, he's also growing up with. Yes. It's like, um, uh, what's his name in uh, Spider-Man? James Franco. James Franco. There James we go. Franco. There it is. Okay. Well, that is kind of, unless you guys have any other thoughts, I mean, we've kind of deconstructed a lot of this movie and, and we've talked about some of the biggest things that struck us and what we did like, dislike and different things. And we also talked about the Northman, which wasn't yeah. even originally part of the plan. I, but the, the one thing I will say is I have thought about it during, during our whole podcast and I'm struggling to think of, uh, if we're just going versus Marvel, I think Superman is better than any of the Marvel movies. I think this Man of Steel, Man of Steel is, better is better than, than any of the Marvel movies. I think if we're bringing in the Dark Knight trilogy and the OG Spider-Man trilogy, we're going to have some better options. But I think I, I'll agree with Chase MCU, that, that, does not that I will Man concede of Steel is better than any MCU stuff. I will concede to your contention. Concede <laughs> to your contention. I don't even know what that means. It means I understand. <laughs> Maybe, those, the, those, maybe that's the name of our podcast. The, the dark, I concede to your contention. Yeah, The Dark Knight is, is great. And have you seen the OG Spider-Man? Because I love that one. With Tobey Maguire. Maguire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I like it. Okay, I have a higher regard for it than you do. You do. Oh, that's fine. I, I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us, and uh, stay tuned for our next episode whenever that drops.